how you can develop that kind of network and that will just compound over time. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fairly, I, I would say it's a difficult question to answer just because I fortunately, I just have a network and I was able to get LinkedIn with someone years ago. And that just, I just took that relationship and I ran with it. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to AmazingFBA.com forward slash 446. Ladles and Jellyspoons, welcome back to the 10 K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers, the subset of the Amazon FBA podcast family for the more established businesses. I say established, I guess six is pretty small in the wider scheme of business. Um, but even if you are, you know, in the earlier stages, chances are quite high that if you're not sourcing within the country you sell in, so sourcing US to sell US, sourcing UK to sell UK, etc., that you are sourcing from China. Certainly many of us, myself included, have spent a lot of time sourcing from China. And we're going to have a bit of a chat to Will Baster today about that. Will is actually um, a part of Ascend Cap Ventures. And they're basically will take um, the money uh, in from a person who wants an asset created for them, i.e. an Amazon-focused business, and create it for them. But one of uh, Will's sort of expertises that he uses within that venture is sourcing from outside of China, particularly Latin America. And he's very bullish on Latin America. So let's hear a little bit about his thoughts on the challenges of China coming forward and the amazing opportunities in Latin America. Enjoy the show. So now let's go into a different direction then, because you're obviously something of an expert in sourcing or something you are an expert in sourcing, but particularly Latin America. Now that's quite interesting because obviously the, there's been an awful lot of noise and slash, if you think it's true, valid warnings, depending which way you look at it about China and the US reaching a new low in their relationship. Now that things like, for example, that if China supplies lethal aid to Russia, which looks quite likely that America may sanction China, which I think changes the entire world for consumer products, particularly and manufacturing chains in totally. general. I mean, so that would be a very profound change. So I guess a couple of questions. First of all, how likely do you perceive that to be from your perspective with your sourcing hat on? And secondly, what can we do about it if it is true? Yeah. I mean, that's a fully loaded question. I think it, <laughs> it's at the end it. of the day, at the end of the day, just to give a, a quick initial thought on this is regardless of that happening or not, which I think it's got a, a likelihood chance of that actually happening, we are still going to be pushing towards manufacturing in Latin America, even if that doesn't happen. Simply because, you know, at the end of the day, there could be, you never know what's going on next year. There could be a new conflict or a new thing with China. I mean, like, it's just a, an ongoing thing. And on top of that, there's just been a increase in in trade relationships getting more and more and more throughout many through mexico manufacturing and through colombia and the caribbean etc and you know a lot of the hubs here is i'm in florida right now tampa bay is almost like one of the biggest vessels into north america from trade from latin america right we've seen this trend 
happening over the last decade. And so like even China aside, regardless of what happens there, this is the direction we want to be going. Plus its proximity is closer and, and, you know, just costs might be a little bit higher for labor, a little bit, but at the end of the day, you have to look at the long term and the ROI, the time that it gets into the time is reduced potentially significantly, less stuff held up at port, all that kind of stuff. And time is money, right? And so to sort of answer your question in, in more of a, a general high level way, I think that that's likely, but at the end of the day, if it, even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't change our strategy in terms of manufacturing in Latin America. We just see such a future there. On top of that, the e-commerce side of things too, in major cities like Sao Paulo and Buenos Aires and Santiago and stuff like that, Th those are, those are growing significantly. Um, it's becoming a thing. And there's, there's, it's not just Amazon. There's other op operations out there, uh, online platforms that are strictly Latin America. And with that also comes increased manufacturing and them doing their own products there too. And so I just have, I'm really bullish on Latin America in general. That's the easiest way to put it. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, Mercado Libre is one, one of the big ones, isn't it? That I've come across with yeah. various concepts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're exactly. The big guys in Latin America. And yeah, and I'm just, doesn't yep. seem to have really done anything serious in Latin America that I've heard about, but I haven't been focused yeah. on it. So. Uh, wow. Interesting. I mean, what I would say is really smart. I mean, again, just a couple of reflections because we, we do talk about this in the mastermind a lot with some of the, you know, the small but growing businesses doing seven figures, some heading towards yeah. eight. And many of them obviously do source from China. But I would say that, yes, there, there are many great things about being close to your target market. It's just simpler in that there's just less opportunity for disruption. If, for yeah. example, crazy stuff happens, like stuff gets stuck in the Suez Canal on the way from China to yeah. Europe, or yeah. it gets, you yeah. know, there's, there's a bunch of problems. You know, you, you can literally ship stuff over land from Latin America or particularly Mexico to, to America, right? It's going to be more expensive than sea. We know, but it can yeah. actually get there. Whereas you can't really go from China to America by, except by sea or air, right? So yeah. I guess you've got some redundancy built into the supply chains. And then, yeah, it's, it's the sort of geopolitics of it is that, you know, Mexico and America are always going to have a certain kind of tension, but they're, they're not probably going to be going to war because the Mexicans aren't insane. I mean, yeah, yeah. and you're they lost in 1848 and it's not happening again, really. I think so there, yes. there's no sort of nuclear option like there is with, with China, hopefully not literally nuclear, but. Yeah. So yeah. I like your thinking. And again, looking at longer term trends, the only other thing I would say about labor costs is uh, it may be a bit higher now, but if you look at the demographics of China, it's the fastest aging society in human history. I think the birth rate average for, is 1.2 live births per, per woman and, and the replacement rate for anywhere is 2.1. And in the coastal wow. cities, it's like 0 0.7. So they are, they are so, so lacking in people, young people, whereas of course the demographic yeah. structure of a lot of Latin American companies, countries is a lot healthier. So even if yeah. you look forward five years, I would predict that that, that cost imbalance will weigh itself back out. Anyway, you know, like I'm not an Absolutely. expert. Absolutely. these things. So very interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Now we've sort of piqued people's interest or slash scared them about China and, and piqued them interest <laughs> about Latin America. How do we go about it? I'm presumed that it helps if you're selling in the US and sourcing in Latin America. So how do you, how would you suggest somebody goes about sort of trying to create their own sourcing links if they don't have your sort of background? Ooh. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 446. That is a very, very, very tough one because yeah. I haven't done it. I haven't done it without my background and it's not just easy to infiltrate that. I just have a very large network and, you know, it's at the end of the day, it has to do with knowing the right people and then getting that initial, initial link into the Latin American market. We had a 
we had someone proactively reach out to us who is from, I believe it's Venezuela originally, but he's linked in massive multi-billion dollar brands throughout Latin America. And that was the first step in a few years ago. I developed that relationship and then it slowly started to compound into different things. And I went to, I started actually going to actual networking events within Latin America too. I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I'm decent at Spanish. And I also have a friend from Mexico City who went with me too, who's obviously bilingual, right? I've been to about two of those. So those, those also help too, because you're meeting people and they also want to have trade partners in the US. That's a huge thing too. It, it's, it's a two-way street. They, there's a lot of the consumer market in the US is massive, right? Compared to a lot of them, it's huge for this kind of stuff. And so they know that's where the money's at, right? And so if you just link in with the right people or you potentially just you, you go ahead of it and just go to, go to Latin America and the, one of these car, these trade events. I mean, that's, that is, I think, honestly, for what I know, that would probably be the bullish strong move to just fly all the way out there. And there's obviously ways to do the kind of stuff online and make contacts. There's nothing better than shake an actual hand though, looking someone in the eyes in person. Right. And that's how you can develop that kind of network. And that will just compound over time. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fairly, I, I would say it's a difficult question to answer just because I, Fortunately, I just have a network and I was able to get LinkedIn with someone years ago. And that just, I just took that relationship and I ran with it. Yeah, and that's why I'm leading that kind of division for, for our company. Yeah. No, it's an honest answer, but I guess people can reverse engineer for some of the stuff you said. It comes down to knowing the right people. So contacts, relationships, right? And so, yeah, yeah it sounds like really it's worth reaching out to people and building that network. Because I, I suppose the, even the old, it yeah. makes me think of that. The, uh, even the job seeking book, I think it's called What Colors Your Parachutes. It's a very sort of uh, yeah. well-established sort of job seeking mm -hmm. manual, if you like, in, in America. And it's not really for business owners, but mm -hmm. the idea is like you build your network way before you ask for any favors from it. And I think that's really a key yeah. people that's huge. because they go to Alibaba and they go, bam, 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 but you know, Hano, can I, can you get me a sample of X? It's like, there's no relationship of any description. You don't know them. You haven't really filtered them. You're just like, bam, 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 give me some stuff, which is a terrible idea, by the way. Terrible. the way to get quality sourcing but people do it they're just used to that idea now like you treat alibaba like you treat sourcing like you treat amazon buying and that's just obviously pretty terrible yeah. so yeah we, if we just take the idea of creating no. relationships and taking years to build it and taking it serious and i would say you know i'm terrible at physical conferences but what i would say is the internet is a great way yeah. to filter potential contacts and and in person is a great way to cement relationships so i guess you can play that dance between the two right? absolutely but Absolutely. I would just say to anyone listening that, that if you're not got an alternative to China that's set up, then you need to be, you know, considering that. And, you know, obviously Will's in a wonderfully strong position and maybe you're not yet, like I'm not, but I guess that what about the South Asian alternatives to China? Everyone's always yeah. getting Vietnam. Vietnam and so forth. I mean, how are you, are yeah. you bullish on Vietnam as well? Yeah. Or do you think that's too late? Yeah, absolutely. We already are. We have, we manufacture, we manufacture like early for some of our private label products. It's, we have a couple of contacts there. Definitely, 100%. I would say Vietnam is, is definitely a good alternative in India to some extent. We have we have a couple of partners that have came on to us and already developed products in India and they wanted us to just take over the management of their business and, and run it from there and scale and expand the portfolio. And with that came direct contacts in India a couple of years ago. And so we just expanded those relationships as well, right? But I would say, I would say Vietnam number one outside of China when it comes down to, to the Asian market for manufacturing and India is the only other one we have experience in. But yeah, totally bullish on Vietnam. Absolutely. It's just, for, it's also just, you do run into some of the, whether it's Vietnam or China, you do run into, I don't want to say that actually, it just depends. I mean, I just feel like you want to, at the end of the day, mitigate risk and, and have these contacts all over, whether it be Asia, 
even Europe, we have one in Greece. So we, we do manufacture some products out of Greece as well. And so we're sort of spread globally. And what that does is just, it just mitigates risk and it just lets us, you know, have the opportunity to know that if something happens somewhere, we, we aren't just siloed in one region of the world when it comes down to developing and manufacturing and trade, uh, which is just huge all, all around. A lot of sense. There's always the rule of unknown consequences or rather there's always potential sources of conflict, but you never know when yeah. it's going to be fine for the next generation or blow up next year. I mean, for example, totally. Russia's, Russia's always a thing in European history. Yeah. It just is. But you know, if you've got a manufacturer in Greece now, that's fine until the Balkans falls to Russia next year in some unexpected yeah. military. Yeah, exactly. and, then, and then you still got uh, people in Vietnam. Oh, no, so. no, no yeah, Serbia, yeah. Serbia invades Greece. <laughs> yeah. Unlikely, but yeah, I think Russia, yeah, Russia and Serbia, I mean, look again, look, you're talking ancient European history, I and mean, that, that yeah. kind of sounds realistic to me as a European. I mean, yeah. somehow we've got this delusion since the second world war that Europe is a peaceful sure. place, but that, that's just due, due to the Americans a hundred percent. I mean, the rest of the yeah. European history is just war, trade, war and trade, really. So yeah. for, uh, yeah. I would say that as a European, I have some kind of insight into that, but I would say also Vietnam is an interesting question without getting, going too deep into this, but since you're, you know, an expert in sourcing, and this is very interesting Ooh. overview, I've spoken recently to one of the business partners of one of the, um, uh, people in the, in the mastermind. So he's based, he was based in Hong Kong, Australia, but he's got contacts in China. And he said that they looked strongly into, you know, alternatives to China since partly he's experienced the crackdown in Hong Kong, which is yeah. Crazy. And some of the way they handle COVID and so some of the risk factors yep. growing. And he said the trouble he's seen, I'll be interested in your view on this, is that Vietnam is actually still ultimately dependent on China for a lot of the components and supply chains. It's kind of plugged in. It's yeah, I can see that for sure. For sure. There is that, but there, yeah, there, there is that, but also they, it's a different relationship between them and China as opposed to us and China. I mean, the real looming thing is the relationship between the US and China in general too. Obviously there's a, there's a, you know, there's an effect that can trickle down on all, all of the kind of dependence, you know, satellite countries that are just depending on them for, for different needs. I just think it's a little bit, it's slightly different. It, it's just, it's still late there. And that's why I think that's why it's good to have outside of Asia in general, you know, because you also don't even know who's linked where when it comes down to Asia. I feel like China has their hands on a lot. They're probably even in with India on a lot of things too. So it's just hard to know specifically, right? You can't really, you can't really know fully. And so the best way to approach it is essentially to make sure that you're, you have reach in different regions of the world on top of that. And that's why we do that. But yeah, I, I don't have actual, in terms of our contact in Vietnam, I'm not actually sure specifically on to the extent and the degree of their dependence on China. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it's there to some extent. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess probably most supply chains in the world, except for the Western hemisphere, probably are dependent ultimately on China. Like if you go to a British manufacturer and you dig, where do they get the plastic yeah. bits from? Oh, well, they get it from Shenzhen. So if there's a, you know, if there's yeah. a stop of their factory manufacturing or they can't get ships out, totally. or there's a trade war between UK and China, then they suddenly haven't got yeah. stuff. So whereas yeah. said, I guess that, you know, America, the Americas in general can literally be self-sufficient. There's oil gas electricity yep. in America alone is, is so self-sufficient. Yep. That always pushes me back towards selling the States and source somewhere nearby if, if you if you need a like a super simplistic reductionist version. But even better, as you say, diversification is the ultimate yep. against risk, right? Because then you don't know what totally. you're Love it. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Four, four, six. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed that little snippet of 
a discussion and we didn't go super deep into China sourcing or, or Latin America sourcing and at any points in between. Um, so it's sort of quite a globe, literally global perspective, but it is interesting that somebody who does a lot of this with deep connections to some really serious manufacturers, um, is taking the whole globalization of sourcing seriously. That is to say, Will Baster from, um, Ascend Cap Ventures. So if you want to check out what Will's doing, I mean, mostly what he does is put the, his sourcing expertise at the service of people who give them, um, Ascend Cap Ventures money in order for them to create an Amazon focused business for them. So that's what Ascend Cap Ventures do. If you're in that boat or you think you might be at some point or you, you've got a, an Amazon business, but you want to hand over the management of it to somebody who's not just a, a sort of generic Amazon management agency, but will actually handle the logistics and supplier connections. So it's a whole deep level, which clearly is, is what Will is really expert at. If that interests you, get over to ascendcapventures.com. That's A S C E N D C A P V E N for November T U R E S for sugar.com, ascendcapventures.com. And you can find out what they're doing over there. Um, next interview, we're going to have another short interview with Will, where we talk about yeah, newbie and yet such critical question. What does it take to start an e-commerce business on Amazon in 2023 and beyond? Thanks for listening. Speak to you in the next show.